It is great to see you in God's house today. Would you stand with me and uh, let's read the text today for pastor's message. And it is found in Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through 34. And pastor is continuing his series today on cross words. These are words that Jesus said while on the cross. It says in Luke, And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we pray that you would open our hearts to a greater and a deeper understanding of your words. We pray, Father, that these words that you shared in your last hours on earth would just be planted deep in our hearts along with the significance of those words and how we can use them to make our lives more like yours. Bless the message, bless our pastor as he shares today, and let this be a great day which honors you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. There are uh, two places in Jerusalem uh, that people think that uh, Jesus was crucified. Uh, one is overseen by the, the Catholic Church, uh, the Armenians, the Orthodox Church, all have a part of that place. And uh, it's, it's, there's a big uh, a cathedral church built over the site. You can go into it. A lot of ornamental things are there. You can walk up to the site where they believe Jesus was, was crucified. You can go to a place where they believe his body uh, was laid. They can go over to a place where they think he was buried. Uh, there's another site that's just a little bit outside uh, the city. And it has a, a big garden area there. There's a tomb there that many believe that's where Jesus was buried. And you can go and stand and look out at what uh, looks like uh, a skull, the face of a skull and the side of a mountain, which leads them to believe this is where Christ was, was, was crucified because it was the place of the skull. The garden area is a very beautiful area. The, the, the ornamental area is, is in, in, in some ways is very beautiful, but the garden area is a very beautiful area. It's got a lot of different segmented places where groups that are coming in, like our group did. We came in and they had a place reserved for us where we could go after we uh, walked around there a little bit and, and sit and share communion together and worship. And it's, a, it's an interesting place because... Uh, that there and, and like at, at Jordan where they're baptizing and they've got you set where you can be baptized in the Jordan. Um, there's many, many groups there, busloads of people coming in and different ones at different areas doing things. And it's, when, it's, when it's a crowded day and there's a lot of people there, you'll, they'll be in all their different places. But it's an open air thing. And so you'll, you'll hear people beginning to sing a very familiar song. And yet they're singing it in a language you don't know. And then somebody else, another group, will join in with the song, singing it in their language. And another group will begin to sing it in their language. Just a moving experience to see all these Christians from all over the world gathering in this place. And it's a, uh, it, it's a, it's a beautiful, you know, it's just a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful place. And it's a point where you're really celebrating 
But I want to remind you today that it wasn't beautiful that day. It was terrible that day. Death on the cross was meant to be slow and agonizing. They had many ways they could, they could, they could, they could end someone's life. And crucifixion, uh, it was meant to send a message. Crucifixion was meant to terrorize those who watch and give warning to anyone who may step out of, out of line. In Jesus' case in particular, the night before he had been captured in the, in the garden and taken uh, to Caiaphas's house where he, you know, we, it's a place you can go now and see where he was imprisoned overnight, chained to a wall overnight, where his first beatings would take place. Throughout the course of the next day, he would be flogged within an inch of his life uh, the whip tearing into his flesh as he was stretched naked. And being naked was part of the deal. It was a part of the humiliation process and of, of humiliating the person and, and, and sending, again, a message of terror into the people there. And they would stretch them over a rock and, and that they would have and, and would, would chain them down so that their skin would be tight. Uh, so that when they whipped them with these whips, this cat of nine tails with, with bones and metal and rocks tied into them, that it would, it would rip into the flesh and do, do very serious damage to them. And they had it down to an art form of how much pain and suffering they could cause without killing the person. This would, be ha this would happen, and then after Jesus was beaten to a point where you could hardly recognize him, uh, later he would be led to Calvary where he would have to at first carry the beam of the cross with him. Later someone else would carry it the rest of the way and then he would be stretched out on this beam and nailed, uh, nailed to the cross. It was meant to be a slow, agonizing death. It wasn't meant to be quick. It was meant to be painful. It was meant to be slow. Uh, most of the people would die from asphyxiation. We think of blood loss, but most of them would literally suffocate because uh, as, the, as, the, as their body pulled and as the weight pulled, they wouldn't be able to breathe. They would have to push up on the nail in their feet to try to ga gasp for air. And when they had no more strength to do that, they would literally die from asphy asphyxiation. Every act in the process was meant to be cruel. It was meant to be painful. It was meant to be horrifying. Those watching that were not hardened with hatred had to wince at each action. The, the picture of the crown of thorns pushed down on his head. The humiliation of the nakedness hanging on a cross. The systematic whipping that had taken place that had ripped most of the skin off of the back of his legs and his back. The beam placed on the back, the jeering of the, of the soldiers and the enemies of Jesus, the nails piercing the flesh, the agony of the flesh, blood, pain, and ugliness. There was nothing beautiful about it. We go today and we find a beautiful place. 
but there was nothing beautiful about it that day until Jesus rose above the whore and speaks words that turn judgment to beauty. The very first words recorded that Jesus spoke on the cross were not about judgment. They were not about revenge. He didn't look at those crucifying him or those judging him or those jeering him and said and saying to them, your day's coming. He didn't warn them. He didn't say you'll soon be sorry. But Jesus' first words on the cross were, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. When we think about the cross, isn't that what makes it beautiful? Isn't that why it's so wonderful to us? It's not the blood, it's not the pain, it's not the suffering that makes it so wonderful for us. It's the forgiveness that makes it beautiful. The cross becomes beautiful because of the work Jesus did for us. Paul would write about it to the Colossians, and he would say, and you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcised of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with the legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. If you missed last Sunday, we talked about why the cross and You can get online and and hear about the why Jesus had to go to the cross on our behalf. But I want you to hear this today. No matter how bad you have been or no matter bad I have been, no matter how much we have blown it, Jesus took our sins to the cross and canceled our debt. Isn't that something to rejoice about? Give the Lord a clap offering for that. You may have been a real stinker, friend. You may have hurt some people seriously. But if you'll go to the cross, you'll find that your sin can be canceled at that place. Now listen, forgiveness is one of the hardest messages I'm called to preach. It's it's a tough call for us. I've had people say some hurtful things about me. Have you? I've had some people make promises and not keep them. Have you? I've had a few people that have treated me unfairly. Has that happened to anybody else besides me? When that has happened, I'll tell you, I'll confess to you, my mind has not instantly run to forgiveness. Has yours? You're a saint if you are. My, my mind, my mind, your pastor's mind, runs more naturally to revenge. How can I get even or ahead? And the thing that's kind of startling about all that is, I, is, is in all of it, I really have never been really hurt that bad. When I count up the abuses that have happened to me, my life is pretty good. Many times after a message like this, though, we talk about forgiveness. In the weeks ahead, I will find an appointment on my calendar. 
and the person will come in and talk to me and they'll talk about their me- they'll talk about the message and they'll talk about the story their story what's happened to them and maybe some of you in this room are like them a history of maybe physical abuse sexual abuse verbal abuse that went on for years history of betrayal and history of brokenness and many times after listening to them talk for a while everything inside of me wants to look at them and go okay I hear you you're exempt you don't have to forgive them in fact I don't forgive them I'm as mad at them as you are that's what naturally rises inside of me as I hear some of those stories but then I remember the cross and the beauty of the cross how do we forgive the painful actions of others how do we come to the point where we can really be like Jesus well well, partly I, I think we struggle with our misunderstanding of what forgiveness means and, and, and to start here, for those who've been hurt deeply, I remind you, Jesus will never again put himself under the power of such destructiveness. It was there for a time and for a purpose. But the next time he, doesn't, he comes, he doesn't come as the lamb. The next time he comes, he comes as the lion. And he'll put things in order. As I face the need to forgive others, I, one of the first steps that must happen is I've got to face and remember the need for my own forgiveness. How much I need to be forgiven. The beauty of the cross is that Jesus has made a way for my trespasses to be forgiven. I can go to the cross and be forgiven for the pain I've caused. And so can others. All others can go there as well. Two men would very publicly betray Jesus in those days, in those hours before Jesus went to the cross. Judas would betray him and later be filled with grief and commit suicide, kill himself through the grief realizing what he had done and the, 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 the terror of all that and the sadness of all that is if he had waited if he had cried out for forgiveness if he, had, if he had just been a little more patient but Jesus knew he would never do that but if he had waited his sin could have been nailed to the cross Peter would deny him three times claim that he didn't know him, claim he wasn't part of his group and yet later Jesus would come to Peter and restore him and set his life on a course that would be new and that we would talk about for centuries to come because the beauty of the cross offers forgiveness to those who even betray him forgiveness is open to all but fellowship only comes to those who seek it and repent. 
Forgiveness will come to you if you'll seek it. If you'll go to the cross and ask for forgiveness, if you'll repent from what you have done in the past and follow after Christ and surrender your life to Christ, forgiveness and fellowship will both be yours. And in the meantime, friend, part of that is we are called to be forgiving as Jesus is forgiving. We even pray this prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Do you understand how dangerous that prayer is? If I'm not forgiving, what am I saying? Don't forgive me. Now what can we learn from Jesus and how he forgave? I want to look at a couple things real quickly here. We can learn from how he saw their actions. And that will help us understand and see the actions of others. How did Jesus respond to their actions? Here's his words. They know not what they do. Now, Caiaphas was a leader in Jerusalem. He had seen what the Romans could do, and he was asking them to condemn Jesus to death and to crucify him. He knew exactly what he was doing. The Pharisees, as they went through the crowd and stirred the crowd to yell, crucify him. They knew exactly what they were asking the crowd to say and what they were asking Pilate to do. The crowd was aware of what crucifixion meant. They had seen this before. It had happened before in their day. This wasn't a new thing. They knew what they were crying out to have happened to this man. Pilate was certainly aware of what crucifixion meant and what it meant to send this man. And he had even been warned by his wife in a dream she'd come his wife had had a dream and had gone to him and said have nothing to do with this man don't do anything to him he certainly knew and the soldiers who did this barbaric act upon Jesus had done it before they were experts at it they were trained at it they knew exactly what they were doing and yet they didn't know. They didn't know the beauty. They didn't know the glory. They didn't know the innocence, the power, the majesty of the one before them. They didn't know the offense against all the universe and all creation that they were perpetrating at that moment that would be turned from a moment of great suffering and pain and what looked like defeat into the greatest moment of victory. They were blinded to the truth of everything that they were doing. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked back on something you have done and wished for a do-over? Have you ever said something that now as a believer you think back on it and you think, oh, you cringe at the thought of what you said? Have you ever acted in a way that now as a believer you wish you could go back and change it? Have you ever felt 
justified in an action that now as a Christ follower, you wish you could redo. That is the blindness of sin. That's the blindness of a flesh separated from the Spirit of God. That's the blindness that affects our lives that causes so much pain in the world. Small or great, whatever the action was, you wouldn't have done them if you knew what you know now. If your eyes were as open as they are today, until that insight came, until your eyes were open, you were blind. See, part one of forgiveness is recognizing the blindness of the offender. And in that moment, as Christ was on the cross, he recognized the blindness of the offenders. He recognized if they could just know the majesty of God, the greatness uh, and the beauty of God, the love of God, that they would never be a part of this very thing. But right now, their eyes were blind. And he cries out to the Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The beauty of Calvary is that Jesus recognizes our blindness. And the call for us as believers who've been hurt or offended by others is to recognize the blindness of their eyes. This is why we pray for Islamic terrorists who kill Christians. Do we cry out, God, kill them? Or do we cry out, God, reveal yourself to them? The blindness of their eyes calls us to pray for them to have sight as Paul had sight on the Damascus Road. And the call for us as believers is to look at those who've offended us, to look at those who've hurt us, and instead of looking at them and passing judgment, is to look at them and to realize if their eyes were only open to the truth. Part two is this. We can learn from how he felt about them. How did he feel about them? Here was his response. Father, forgive them. Now, who could be more opposed to us than someone trying to kill us, trying to torture us, jeering at us as we die? And yet, even in this moment, in all of the suffering, in all of the pain, in all of the ugliness of the hour, Jesus sees the value of the people putting him on the cross. These are his creation. These are his children, corrupted and selfish, but nonetheless his. Just like you and I are, messed up, doing what we shouldn't do. But instead of Jesus saying, away with all of this trash, instead of Jesus calling the legions of angels and wiping them off of the face of the earth, which he could have done in an instant, instead of Jesus saying, your day is coming, Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them the beauty of the cross is in his love for all mankind forgiveness is about the intent of your heart for others they intend to harm you 
They've intended to say something painful. They've intended to do what they've done. They, they, it may have been premeditated. It may have been repeated over and over and over again in terrorizing ways in your life. Forgiveness is about what you want for them, not what they want for you. Forgiveness is recognizing the blindness of their action because you have now seen the light of the gospel. And forgiveness is about seeing the value of their life and what they were created to be that is missing right now as Jesus saw the value of all of our lives and their lives when he hung on the cross. In our corruption, we don't have the power of revenge. Sometimes we wish for it. But Jesus in his love had the power of revenge. But instead of exercising it, he prayed for forgiveness. The third thing about forgiveness is forgiveness is about who you want to be. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus was on this earth for a purpose. Jesus wanted to be the Savior of the world. The, and this pure and holy one calls us to be like him. Jesus knew his purpose. He was obedient to death, even death on the cross for us. And now the question, as we have come and received that forgiveness... The question comes, what do we want to be? Yes, you've been hurt. Yes, you've been abused. And it may have been terrible and horrendous. You will live under one of two marks the rest of your life. You will either live under the mark of this world and what this world has done to you and the bitterness and the anger and the frustration and the ugliness that it pours into your spirit or you will live under the mark of the cross, under the forgiveness of the loving Savior who pours into your life and heals us and redeems us of those things that have been broken in us and sets us free and lets us see even those who would nail us to the cross with the value of who they are and a desire to be one who shines as the light of the gospel in their life. When you wear a cross around your neck, when you put it around your neck and wear it, when you pin one on your shirt, when you tattoo a cross on your arm, when we put a hundred foot one up on the new property, when we receive communion, and we hold these emblems in our hand that are emblems of the cross, the broken flesh, the blood that was spilt. We testify to the world and to the heavenlies. We are people of the cross. We're not a people marked by this world anymore. We are marked by the one who died there, forgiven by him and trying to be like him. Oh, the greatest testimony of Jesus, his new way that he's showing us to live is in his reaction to those who abused him on the cross. 
and your greatest testimony to the world is to be marked by the beauty of the cross to surrender the, to the, pain, the pain to surrender the bitterness to see their blindness and to have a heart that wants the best for them even when they're still in the blindness see you will either be a picture of the horror of abuse or you can become a picture of the beauty of forgiveness the cross Golgotha is a terrible place that Christ in a moment that Jesus in a second turned into a beautiful place for all mankind because he didn't cry out for revenge he didn't receive the bitterness but he chose forgiveness can you be a Christ follower these next few minutes I just want you to, to bow your head and the usher is going to go get ready to serve us communion today and I want you to think about your reaction to those who've hurt you, said things against you, harmed you. How do you see them? Are you marked by the world? Are you marked by the cross? And I challenge you today, surrender yourself to the cross and the way of Jesus. grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see was grace that taught my heart to fear grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believe my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy Unending love, amazing grace. The Lord has promised good.
is a word my hope secures he will my shield and portion be as long as life endures my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending love amazing grace my chains are gone I've been set God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. Throughout this month, we're going to take a look at the words of the what Jesus said on Calvary and what they mean to us. And we're going to share, share communion every Sunday morning together as we head towards Easter. And this great day of celebration of the resurrection of our Savior. I want to tell you, friend, you're not a Christian because you were born in a Christian family. You're not a Christian because you're a member of and a tender of a Christian church. You're not a Christian because you took the right classes and somebody said, you now know enough. And you're now a part. We become a Christian when we look at the work of the cross, when we look at Jesus, and we put our faith in him to be our Savior. And we put our confidence in him to be our Lord. It calls for faith and it calls for repentance. We become followers of Christ. And here's one of the hardest and yet most clear ways where we really reflect whether we become a follower of Christ or not. Have we become a forgiver? Have we become one that sees the because when the light of the gospel comes into our life we begin to see the values of others that's why we make faith promises to missions because we see the value of others it's why we forgive because we see the value of others it's why we serve in ministry because we see the value of others and so today in a moment in an instant you can say lord I want, to, I, want, I want the work of the cross to be applied to my life. I want my sin to be nailed to the cross. And I want to follow your son. It won't always be easy. He'll ask you for some tough changes in your life. The way you talk, the way you live, the way you see others. 
but it is it is the way of glory it is a way of purpose and it is a way of fulfillment and in it we find why we were created in the fullness of Jesus you can do that right now right in these next moments you can just say Lord forgive me of my sin and come into my life now if you do that you need to come see one of us you need to talk to us you need to let us know because we want to help you grow in that we want to help you walk in that. But the Bible says that many people, that as they heard Jesus' teaching, believed in him. You can do that right now. I'd like to ask you to stand with me. Today we hold this emblem of the broken body. And this body was broken for us and we can find healing through it. Maybe your spirit has been broken. Maybe you've been abused or hurt. And our prayer is, is that right now as we receive this, that the healing power of the gospel will begin to pour into your life. doesn't mean what was bad, what happened wasn't bad. It means that you're going to rise above it as Christ rose above the actions of those at the cross. And that the hope and the love of Christ will pour into your life so that you can say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I want to be a light of your gospel to the world. I want to have the mark of the cross on my life, not the mark of this world on my life. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for what your son did for us. And what a, what a great light he showed to us about how to respond to those who were abusing him. And Lord, we pray that as we partake of this today, I know there may be deep wounds in this room, deep betrayals, tragic things that have happened. But Lord, let us remember what your son did for us. And Father, let the mark of the cross come on our lives instead of the mark of this world. In Jesus' name, let's receive together. Father, we hold this cup in our hands. A moment of ugliness turned into a, into a, a centuries of beauty, the shed blood of your son, your innocent son, for the forgiveness of the guilty. We're so grateful today that our sins are nailed to the cross. And I pray, Father, for anyone here who's crying out for that very thing today, that, Lord, they would have the assurance and faith that as your son forgave those and cried out for you to forgive those who crucified him, that, Father, that we can be forgiven and set free. We receive this with great rejoicing today. In Jesus' name, amen.